0: So as Jeremy mentioned, we are in the middle of a series of sermons called Peace on the Parkway. And the reason we're calling it that is that the Merritt Parkway is a great metaphor for our lives. It is listed as one of the scenic drives in America, especially in the fall, the beautiful leaves changing, driving under the historic bridges you get to drive under. That's how you see it, I'm sure, when you're driving to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. It is also a place of frustration and chaos and annoyance because of all the traffic. And in many ways, our life is very similar. We've been given unbelievable lives by God, but yet often there's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes with it. And so throughout this series, we're trying to figure out how can we have peace on the parkway of our lives. And the way that we've been figuring out how to have peace is by studying one chapter in the Bible, and that is Philippians chapter 4. And we are on the third week of studying Philippians chapter 4. If you missed the first two, I'd encourage you, go to the BlackRock website or the app and watch those sermons. They are great understanding of how to have that peace. And we're going to continue that this morning. So I'm going to pick up reading in Philippians chapter four, verse six, that says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These verses end with that phrase, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds, and I don't know about you, But that sounds really nice. man. I would love to have a little bit more peace in my life. Now, peace on the parkway took a a new meaning to me a few months ago. And that was because my oldest child, my son, got his driver's license. (laughs) And some of you have been through this. Some of you will go through this. I I, want to explain to you what it's like when your child, and I emphasize that word child, your cute little baby that you held in your arms, that you cuddled with, Drives away from your home by themselves for the first time. That is terrifying. And when I think of peace on the parkway, I think of my son racing down the parkway at 70 plus miles an hour. You shouldn't drive that fast, but everyone does. At 70 plus miles an hour down the parkway inside a tin can. I need some peace on the parkway of my life. And I'm guessing that you wouldn't mind some either. Now, this verse starts with that phrase do not be anxious. And anxiety is one of those things that is, is very common today and on many of us, and it has many different causes. Anxiety can be caused by physiological issues in our minds and in our bodies. It can be caused by emotional issues of things that we've gone through or are going through. It can be caused by situations, and it always has a spiritual component as well. And this morning, we're going to focus a little more on that spiritual component. But I also wanted to let you know, as, as a church, we know that all these things are intertwined. And so we really encourage people to find the help that they need, whether it's from doctors, counselors, support groups. We have An Anxiety Living Free group that meets here on Thursday nights, that's a great support group for this. But this morning, we want to focus a little bit on the spiritual side of this. And what's interesting is this verse ends with that phrase that we will guard our hearts and minds. And what's so interesting about this is that the way that this verse, and really the way that God describes peace throughout the Bible, is often different from the way that we think about peace. Often we have situations in our life that are causing anxiety. We might either not have a job or maybe we have a job that we really hate our boss and it's a toxic environment or maybe we have something going on in our family. We have a, a parent or a child or a friend who's going with, through some situations that's causing anxiety. Maybe we have anxiety about the state of the world or the state of our neighborhood or some of these kind of things. And so we have these circumstances in our lives that are causing us anxiety. And often what we want... And what we believe is that what would help us to get that peace that it's talking about here is if our circumstances changed. Do you know what the most common image? when someone is asked for an image of peace? do you know what the most common image is? Let's see. <laughs> Sitting on a beach. Right? That's the image we have of peace, of just sitting there. We got this guy's reading his newspaper on the beach, and, and the, peace, the beach is a very peaceful place. You got the beauty of the water and the sand and the sun, and, and, and it's, just, it's just a great environment. But one of the reasons that this is our image of peace is usually when we go to the beach, we're on vacation, and we are away from most of the stressors in our life. And our image of peace is if I can get away from all those stressors in my life, if I can change the circumstances, then I can have peace. Well, thankfully, the peace that God offers and the peace that's talked about in this verse is very different from that. Because if the only way that we could have peace in our life is to take away all the stressors. If the only way that you could have peace in your life is that that every single person that causes you anxiety was removed from your life, you probably wouldn't have anyone in your life. (laughs) You'd be sitting at home by yourself, maybe on the beach. but. But God offers us something far greater, far better than changed circumstances. And in fact, Pastor Steve, in the very first week of this series, he he actually mentioned this. And he said it this way. He said, my experience of God's peace inside is independent of my circumstances outside. My experience of God's peace inside is independent of my circumstances outside. I want to say it a slightly different way. I want to say, don't confuse a peaceful life with an easy life. Don't confuse a peaceful life with an easy life. I think this is probably a better metaphor and a better picture of what God offers us. Here's a couple older gentlemen still reading the newspaper, but now they're in an environment very different. They're in an environment where what's going on around them is chaos, and yet they're able to have peace. Because the truth is, God doesn't promise you a peaceful life, or an easy life. God promises you a peaceful life. If you look at many of the heroes of the Bible, their lives were not very easy, but they had peace. And we know that from this verse because what this verse actually says, the way it describes peace, is it describes peace as a guarded heart and mind. That your heart and mind is guarded. Not that your life and circumstances change, but there can be chaos going on around you. But your heart and your mind are guarded. That's the phrase that Paul uses. That's the phrase and the image of peace that God has for us. And what does it look like to have a heart and mind that are guarded? It means my heart is guarded from irrational thinking about my life and the world. It means my head is guarded from feeling insecure. It means my heart is guarded by living over, reliving over and over again the rejection that I've experienced. It means my mind is guarded so that I can actually stop my mind from racing and thinking about all those things that are causing anxiety. That is what God is offering us here. And that's why this is called a peace that transcends understanding. Because if you're sitting on the beach and have peace, that's very understandable. Like It's very understandable if you said, hey, I have a bad job. I got a new job. I have peace. It's like, oh, well, that makes sense. But if you have a unhealthy, toxic work environment and you say, I have peace, that transcends understanding. If you come back from vacation, and you're going back to that toxic workplace, and you have a child who's failing in school, and you're mad at your spouse, and yet you can have peace, that is what transcends understanding. That's the type of peace that Paul is talking about, and that God is talking about, and that's the kind of peace that I want in my life. Now, don't confuse a peaceful life with an easy life. And the reason we know that Paul meant this is when Paul wrote this book, the book of Philippians, he was in prison. Here's a famous picture of Paul in prison. This was painted by Rembrandt. It is horribly inaccurate. This makes it look like prison is just like a nice bed to be with like tons of blankets. Like when Paul was actually in prison, most likely he was chained to a bare wall and a bare floor and didn't have food unless someone brought it to him. And Paul actually was very concerned that he could be executed while he was in prison. In Philippians chapter one, he writes, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the reason he wrote that is because there was a very good chance that he's sitting in prison going, I may be executed this week because I'm in prison. And yet Paul wrote these words to his friends who lived in the town of Philippi. And he told them, hey guys, don't need to be anxious. You can have peace. Now if Paul can write that when he's sitting in a Roman prison, then most likely in our lives, we can have that as well. Because very few of us are in as stressful of a situation as Paul was in when he wrote this. We're stressing about the caption we put on our Insta post, right? That's what we're stressing about. Paul is in prison. So, how do we get that peace that he's talking about? How do we get that peace that transcends understanding? Well, the good news is Paul gives us a path to peace. And the first part of it starts with this idea about the circumstances. And it starts with the idea of that we need to stop obsessing or complaining about our circumstances. Many of us obsess and complain about our circumstances and focus on all the things that we wish were changed. I wish we had a different job and a different person and a different family and a different all, a car and clothes. And all. We obsess about these things that we want to change in our circumstances. But when we obsess about our external circumstances, we miss the internal peace that God has for us. Now, I use that word obsess specifically because it's not bad to actually pray about and move toward changed circumstances. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. It's not bad to actively be moving and praying towards changed circumstances. However, there's a big difference between actively moving and praying towards changed circumstances and just complaining about your circumstances. My guess is you have at least one friend, maybe multiple friends, that when they call and their name pops up on your phone, you go, oh. Because you know they're just gonna complain. They're gonna complain about their life and their job and their friends and their family. And they're just, they're, I mean, you know that. And so either, sometimes you don't answer it because you're like, oh, I don't want that. Sometimes you do answer it and you sigh. Oh, and then you answer the phone. My question for you this morning is, are you that friend? I know you don't think you are. No, not me, no. But how much time do you spend obsessing and complaining over your circumstances? Now, in order to stop obsessing and complaining about our circumstances, we have to replace it with something. You can't just say stop. Have you ever done that to your kids? You'd be like, stop crying. Like, that usually doesn't help. Probably just makes them cry more. If I just tell you, hey, stop obsessing, you're like, Josh, I can't help it. I just do it all the time. So what Paul offers and what God offers is that we can actually replace that obsessing with something else, something healthier. That's what the beginning of this verse talks about. Let's go back to the beginning of the verse where it says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Talks about that. Don't don't be anxious. But in every situation, that's really important. Every situation, not just when we get overwhelmed, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Paul gives a very interesting path to peace right here. And it starts with that word where it says, present your request to God. But then he breaks down what it looks like to present our request to God with three very important words. Prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving. And the reason I believe he uses these three words is because each of those words kind of are a different aspect of how we can actually present our request to God. And I wanna give you kind of my oversimplified view of what I believe Paul means by these three words of prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. By prayer, I believe he means listen to God. By petition, talk to God. And thanksgiving, remember God. Let's start with that prayer one, that listening to God. God actually is never anxious, because most of the times when we're anxious, it's because we don't know what the outcome is gonna be, and we don't have control. God is in control, and God knows the outcome. And as we begin to listen to God, our hearts get more in tune with what God's heart is. We were just singing about that. And as that happens, our anxiety begins to be replaced with peace. But how do you do that? How do you listen to God? If if you know me at all, I'm one of the people, I hate kind of pithy, cheesy Christian sayings. And if they help you, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you. But people say phrases like, let go and let God. All right? It's a good phrase. But how in the world do you do that? Like when people say that to me, I'm like, what, 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 how do you, so here we go. Why don't we just throw up, if we're going to try to listen to God, how are we going to do that? Let's just throw up a few ideas on the screen. And the good news is it can be different for different ones of us. We have different personalities. We have different ways that we relate to God. Different things work for you than might work for me. So let's say, like talk about this silence and solitude. As our life gets more chaotic and out of control, we actually need to calm ourselves. And we as a society have gotten very far away from silence and solitude. I mean, I'm just talking for myself. It's hard to be by myself at home with not, without like a TV or music or something on. But ultimately, it can be very helpful for us to calm ourselves, get ourselves to a place where there is no noise, no music, nothing, just silence. I don't know how, many, how long you can do it for. Even if it's only five minutes or 10 minutes or 30 minutes. I don't, just get yourself to a place where there is some silence and solitude. Because in that moment, it's much easier to listen to God. And have our hearts get more in tune with him. How about read the Bible? Now, that's a good thing to do all the time, but especially when our lives are more anxious. A few years ago, uh, my family was going through some struggles, and a friend of ours came to our house, and just with those little yellow post-it notes, put Bible verses all over the house, bathroom mirror, uh, laundry basket, everywhere, there was just a little post-it note of a verse, and it was so helpful because in those moments, we needed that extra encouragement from the Bible. Reading the Bible and getting God's input into our lives from that, so important. Listening to music, worship music, takes our focus, again, off of our circumstances, puts it on who God is and what God is doing. Going for a walk, this is one, actually, I do love this. There are times that I've been sitting on my computer stressed out, close my computer and go for a walk. Getting outside, getting in nature where we can be closer to who God is sometimes. Or godly counsel and prayer. There's often when we need someone else who can pray with us, who can give us that godly counsel. Now, I do say godly counsel because you probably have someone you can call up and complain to. Don't call that person. Don't call your complaining person. Call your godly person who can actually give you godly wisdom and pray with you. Oftentimes, when our world gets a little chaotic, we isolate ourselves, which is the opposite of what we need to do to replace our anxiety with peace. Reach out. Have someone pray with you and give you that godly counsel. So Paul's path to peace starts with this idea of prayer, of listening to God. And then he goes on to petition. And petition means talking to God. Well, how do you talk to God? However you want to talk to God. It's not about how you do it or what you do it, but just do it. Present your request to God. Talk to God. You can whisper. You can shout. You can yell at God. It's okay. The pastor tells you God can handle it. He can handle you yelling at him. God wants you to talk to God, to share where you are, and to ask God to give you that peace. And I mentioned that you can actually pray for God to change your circumstances. You can do that. It's not a wrong thing to pray for God to change my circumstances. God change my circumstances. However, know, that you can have peace whether or not your circumstances are changed at all, or at all. But it's not a bad thing. In fact, over and over again, the Bible says that when we actually pray, when we petition God, it has an influence. I don't understand exactly how that works, but I've seen it work, and it mentions it over and over again in the Bible. And I mentioned earlier that this verse says to do it in every situation, because I have a confession to make, and pastoral confession time here, I am pretty bad at petitioning God. And the reason is, especially in every circumstance, because the reason is usually, I'm pretty uh, kind of a hard working, hard charging person, and I go, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and then there are times when my life gets a bit overwhelming, and there's something that I feel like I can't do, and then I cry, God help me. But what this describes is something different. It says in every situation, and I don't do that well. Maybe you don't either, maybe you wait till you're overwhelmed. I, I actually have a friend who keeps a prayer journal. And they write down, most mornings they'll write down, all right, God, uh, help me in this meeting. Help me with this person. Help. They're just like writing down all these requests and and in like every situation. And what they say is as they do that, as they begin to put those actual petitions on paper, they begin to receive some peace from God about those. And not only that, they pray about them, and as a result of praying about them, it influences those circumstances in a way that helps them out. And so, when, when, I, when I think about myself and my struggles with petitioning God in every situation, I, I'm, I'm an idiot. I mean, I hope you're smarter than I am because what God is offering us is to say, hey, here's, here, you can petition me on every situation, and as you petition me, I will give you peace about those situations and I might influence those circumstances. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm too busy. Like why, why don't we do that? Why don't we actually petition God on a more regular basis about all of our stuff? That's what he's saying to do. God says, hey, you can listen. You can petition. And then he says you can also do this with thanksgiving. Like all of these things, this prayer and petition should actually be with thanksgiving. Maybe it starts with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving means remembering God. It means remembering God's provisions and God's promises and God's presence, God's provisions. So many times we obsess over the few things going wrong when there are so many things going right. We obsess about the few things and we forget about all the things God has given us and is giving us and is doing in my life. Another little confession time for you. I stress out about my job. Now, I work at a church and you're like, you shouldn't, like, right? Right, how can I, I work at a church. I, I mean, we actually tell our staff, it's okay if you wanna pray at work. Like, if you wanna take five minutes and pray, if you wanna take 10 hours and pray, I don't know, maybe you should come talk to your supervisor about that, but. <laughs> we, you know, we can actually pray at work. We actually pray with each other. And yet, I. I'm honestly, I'll wake up at three or four in the morning stressed out about stuff going on at church here. And you may be like, what do what you How do you do that? Well, my title over there says executive pastor. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but let me tell you what I think it means. One of the things it means, Jeremy mentioned some of the great things going on. God is doing amazing things here. So we have an awesome church, and today we'll have around 2,500 people who will attend, which is awesome. Statistics say that even our regular attenders only attend about twice a month. You got vacation, work, kid stuff, whatever it is. And so we tell our staff, hey, we've got 4,000 regular attenders who come to church here. And our job as a staff is to help create environments where all 4,000 of you can grow and get discipled. That's what we deeply desire. We have a phenomenal staff who wants to help everybody who comes into this church grow and live out of the fullness of following Jesus. And we're so passionate. We wanna help every single person do it. In addition to those 4,000 people who are already coming, we wanna reach thousands more outside the church thousands more people sharing the love and salvation of Jesus with them then we want to make an impact globally through missions and we have 24 full-time staff to do it all here we go (laughs) so we have some of us that are a little overwhelmed and stressed out now the truth is it's not our job to do that we're a church it's all of our jobs to do that those of us who work here full-time it's our job to kind of help equip everybody to set this up and get this running so we can have that impact in our community and around the world but sometimes I get a little stressed about that. I get a little stressed because certain things aren't going right and we want them to be better. And I love making things better. You know what I didn't mention? I forgot to mention this. Um, every single week, we have people who come to faith at this church. Every single week, it never fails. We have people in the prayer room that are coming to faith every week. Every single week... We have people whose lives are being transformed. They're being set free from some of the things going on in their lives every week. Why why do I forget to remember those things? But I remember all the problems that I'm dealing with. Maybe you do the same. You forget about all the provisions God has given you, and you focus on all the problems you have going on. Now, having said that, if you'd like to volunteer on Sundays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays, We need more people, we need great leaders, we need all those things, please stop by the booth and sign up somehow. But God says, hey, if you want this peace, there's things you can do. You can pray and listen to God, you can petition and talk to God, you can remember God, remember God's provisions, remember God's promises. You know God promises to be all-knowing, all-powerful. And remember God's presence that God promises to be with you, those are promises God never, reneges on his promises. Those are true every single day. How many times do I forget that God is right here next to me? That's the path to peace where those things, a lifestyle of living those things out begins to transition out of the anxiety that we have. The band's gonna come back out, and as we do that, I wanna share, there's a pastor, his name's Craig Rochelle, and I was listening to one of his sermons about anxiety, and he he had this analogy I thought that was really helpful, especially with our peace in the parkway theme. With our peace in the parkway theme, he said, anxiety is kinda like your check engine light on your car. That when the check engine light comes on, you you get a little anxiety, because you're like, ah, what's wrong? But the check engine light's not really the problem. The problem is there's something going on underneath the hood that you need to get fixed. And as a result, what you have to do is take your car back to the manufacturer, and then they can fix it for you. And in the same ways in our life, anxiety is a signal. Anxiety is a signal that there's something going on that we need fixed. And ultimately, we need to go back to our maker and spend time with our maker. And as we do that by listening, as we do that by talking, as we do that by remembering that peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't make any sense because there's chaos going on outside, but that peace that is guarding our hearts and minds begins to fill us. And so this morning, the band's gonna sing one more song, but before they do that, we need to give you a moment because if you leave this room and you haven't spent some time with God, then we haven't done our job. Because ultimately, I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know whether you need to listen. I don't know whether you need to talk to God or whether you need to remember God. But in this moment, it's just gonna be a couple minutes where you can spend time with God. You can spend time with God, allowing God to begin to transform that anxiety and replace it with that peace. You will begin to petition God. Let me pray and then give you a few moments just between you and God. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.